It's the only wrestling podcast on earth with one two-time X Division champion, the man behind the man, behind the man at Impact Wrestling, my best friend of yours. That's Petey Williams. How's she going, eh? Listen, Lars Fredrickson from Rancid, you brought on this guest. And by the way, Lars, welcome. Hey, how's it going? I can't even begin to express how scared I am of our next guest. Because... <laughs> Uh, and I'll be honest, I am not a, a death match guy, but I am excited to talk to you. Uh, and I'll get into it, but Lars, please, you can do a better introduction than I can with this guy. This guy is a is, uh, Schlack, real fast. Please say what you need to say, Schlack. It's your show. I just want to say, I'm a nice guy, dude. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, my introduction is this guy's a human fucking tank. Okay. He's a bulldozer. He's a madman. He's a manhandler. I mean, he's, I think he's probably, you know, one of the more, uh, I would say one of the premier deathmatch wrestlers um, of this generation. And uh, he's a great musician and he's a super cool guy. And he's as real as a motherfucker could be. You know, if he can drink, he can smoke, you can do whatever the hell you want here. Schlack, this is your hour. We're just very stoked that you're here with us, man, because uh, for me, like, I, you know, I'm rocking the shirt because, and I'd never done this before when we've had a guest is rock their t-shirt. This is the first time because I was super excited to have you because as an entertainer, you're top notch as a tough motherfucker. I know that you're top notch. We have a lot of mutual friends. So ladies and gentlemen, we give you schlack. Sorry in advance. Uh, I mean, I appreciate that dude. You know, that means a lot coming from you. Uh, I just, before we kick this thing off, you know, let me uh, just say, uh, apologize in advance. You know, my voice is kind of a piece of shit. It's raspy and froggy, and people tend to, uh, you know, ask me to repeat things. So when I repeat things, you know, I'm sorry in advance. It sounds like I'm eating gravel and glass. I mean, I guess I kind of do that already, but, you know. <laughs> well. I'll say this coming from a guy that cries when he gets a head cold. I've had one knock me out for five days now. And uh, I'm in a death match with that second time. I made that joke. Uh, I have got to ask you, I, you put your body on the line to make a living. How much longer can you go? Because I'm always amazed when I look at guys like you, you maybe Darby Allen in a, in a more traditional wrestling sense. And I just think, the shelf life of what you do cannot be that long, but you, you, and I've gone down this rabbit hole the last three or four days of you, and I can make it about six minutes into a match before I get freaked out, which is a compliment by the way. But I've noticed that you have wrestling talent too. You're not just this big ogre of a guy that slaps things around you. You like you can wrestle too. So I don't even know what my question is, but Holy shit, dude. I mean, it's like, uh, there's a lot of stupidity involved, you know what I mean? I just don't give a fuck, man. I'm, I'm an older punk rocker dude, and Lars, you know how it is. I, I just don't give a fuck. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm just bulldozing through today as hard and as fast as I possibly can. You know, I was trained by Drew Gulak, and, and oh, you know, shit. so I, I know my shit. I just don't display it all the time. I'd rather run my head directly through a pane of fucking glass or – being a fucking 300 light tube match, you know, literally when I first started wrestling, Drew told me, he's like, if you lock up with someone, he's like, you don't 
no arm ringers, don't go through the motions, punch the guy in the fucking face, because that's what you would do. So I have this huge arsenal of, you know, submission wrestling that I've been taught, and I just don't use it. I'm The older I get, the more I'm, you know, incorporating my matches. I've been training with homicide and shit. He's been forcing me to do that stuff, but, you know, I kind of know what I'm doing, I think. You know. So <laughs> I... uh I want to pick apart a little bit of the psychology, you know, of the death match and how you put together a match, because, you know, I mean, I have been in zero death matches. I've been in ladder matches and stuff like that, but uh, obviously, you know, death matches aren't my thing. And it's funny that you say that, uh, you know, Drew said, uh, don't lock up. Uh, and when I watch your matches, you do have a lockup, but it's different. It's, it's a lockup and you guys go into hockey punches. So that's awesome. That's almost like your thing. Right. Um, I mean, and then logistically, isn't that, what you would do if you were in a fist fight outside. Cause that seems exactly. to me that is more real than, you know, what they tell you when it's psychology. Right. I mean, no, absolutely. And I agree. Like, so you're, it's different. Uh, you're in a death match. So what are you going to do? Lock up? No, you're going to grab the guy and start punching him. in a wrestling match. It's considered wrestling and an amateur wrestling. They do a lock up and that's where everything goes. Uh, so I'm right. watching your match with, uh, 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 John Wayne Murdoch, I believe. Right. And, you know, I see the lockup and what I love, this is what I loved at the beginning is you guys actually did a little bit of chain wrestling. And I think he hit like a leg control fireman's carry on you. And I was like, blew my mind. Right. I was like, Oh, and another thing that was awesome was that, uh, you know, he had all the, the, the tubes set up on the ropes and, you know, one of the things we do in wrestling training is we're like, okay, how much can we do in the center of the ring without hitting the ropes? Like hitting the ropes is kind of like, uh, you know, you're using a crutch, like everything's hitting the rope. So you guys can't do it because you have everything lined up. So I see you guys do the first couple of minutes of the match, a little bit of chain. You're not hitting the ropes, but you're still doing like, you know, ducks and turns and stuff like that, getting the most out of it. And then you go into, you know, the, the light bulbs and stuff like that. So my question is, um, how do you usually structure the match? Cause I, I thought I had it in my head, how, you know, you would structure it, but then you kind of change it up each time when I watch your matches. Um, how do you go in there and like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. So it makes the most sense. I mean, you know, every, everybody's different. You have more technical application wrestlers in death match. You know, I'm more on the primitive side, but I do that for a reason. I'm more on the necro butcher side. I do that for a reason. You know, you have people like Alex Cologne, that will purposely in the beginning of the match, you know, Japanese arm drag, American arm drag, blah, 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 just to show you like, yo, check out my wrestling dick. It's, it's this big. You know what I mean? We know how to do this. Even though everyone likes to talk shit about deathmatch workers, you know, those guys don't know how to wrestle, but you know, it, it's just to show everyone that we're not just sitting there swinging shit at each other's head and, you know, Cro-Magnon fucking cavemen, you know, uh, I mean, most of the time when I do that type of stuff in the beginning of a match, it's purposely ju just for that, just to show everyone, hey, you know, and, you know, crescendo, you know, wrestling moves, suplexes, glass, doors, fire, you know, boom, 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 you know, well, that's how I look at it personally. Well, one of the things that I notice in a lot of your matches is the psychology that you bring there. It's not like, you know, like to just sort of emphasize what Pete was saying. It's not just fucking a bunch of fuckery. It's like there's a, there's a reason behind these whole things, right? So <clears throat> when you get a guy like John Wayne Murdoch 
or, you know, the countless others that you've um, wrestled, you know, obviously there's already a synchronicity there because, you know, that's a death match. It's not like everybody fucking does that. Right. So are you more comfortable in that arena than let's say just a regular wrestling match without the extra? I mean, in all reality, dude, you know, I, I can wrestle any kind of match you want me to do. I just, people pay me to do death matches, you know, because that's what, I, you know, unfortunately I'm locked into the death match world. And that's what people want to see me. They don't want to see me do, you know, a panties and bra match or a fucking <laughs> technical masterpiece. You know what I'm saying? No one wants to see me do that. People pay to see me wrestle to fucking beat someone's head in or get my fucking head beat in, you know? So unfortunately that's where I'm at, you know, and I don't mind it. Don't get me wrong. You know, you know, as much as everyone wants to call me caveman. Yeah. There's some caveman in there. Now, and this is a question I don't think I've ever asked a wrestler. We always try to stay away from dollars and cents, and I don't need an exact number. But have you seen with the popularity of death matches over the last couple of years on the indies, the pay rate go up? Is that is is that a thing? Because you know you see now indie wrestlers getting paid, and I one of my friends, which you've wrestled, and Pete, we saw Insane Lane, kind of said a few times that you know yeah, Lane's awesome. He is at his fucking mind. And that's me saying that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude, listen, this insane lane guy. I, I went to high school with him. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, I love him to death, but you know, underpaid on the indie circuit. While you see oh, other indies wrestlers, you know, their pay bumps start slowly going up. How is it for you guys on the deathmatch circuit? I mean, bro. Asses in seats, man. You know what I'm saying? Asses in fucking seats. If, if you bring people in and people come in, you're going to get paid what you're worth. Not to mention, if you know what you're worth, you demand it and you get paid it. You know, it's like playing in a fucking punk band. Yeah, I can do freebies and I can play in fucking warehouses my whole life. But if you know what you're worth and you know you're going to drive people out to the club, the club is going to fucking pay you the money. You know, you just... You can't be a pussy about it, dude. You got to demand what you're fucking worth. And, you know... Uh, I know what the fucking worth. I'll put asses in seats. You know, I think Lane does and Lane used to. Maybe Lane doesn't ask for as much fucking money as he should. But as you were saying with the, the question, over the, I mean, over COVID, you know, let's be honest, dude, deathmatch wrestling pretty much carried wrestling on its fucking back through the COVID era. You know, and that kind of elevated deathmatch wrestling to here now, now that we're kind of back in the swing of things you know you go to japan and regular mat technical wrestling and strong style wrestling is here and they think that deathmatch is up here you know typical um, but you know as pay rate goes you know uh you get what you're worth man you know what are you willing to do how dumb are you willing to be i'm going to be a complete fucking moron because like i said i'm not worried about tomorrow brother you know i'm here now i'm sitting in my shower drinking a fucking beer on a podcast at <laughs> <laughs> all right so you know, I, I don't... for the record look at Lawrence, for the record uh i will you know i was i was shooting a shit with kevin gill earlier the great kevin gill you know he was like oh shit you're gonna be on the podcast with Lawrence. like yeah 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 uh, i will i was telling him i will have you gentlemen know that Currently, right this minute, I'm missing the band Fang about three blocks from my fucking house. 
I was just over there. I told you I've been drinking already because I was just over there. I was talking to fucking Sammy Town. And I was like, dude, I got to fucking leave. I got to go on the podcast. So I'm missing Fang right now and Bad Luck 13. So you can thank me later. Thank you. By the way, Lawrence, Sammy says what's up. Killer. Tell him I said what's up too. I'm glad we're not doing this in person right now because you would probably beat all of our asses. So No, I'm uh, a nice guy. I told you that earlier. <laughs> well, that was a great promo you just cut on how much you're you're pissed about me uh missing uh you know the bands right now. So um I, I got a lot of questions I want to ask, but uh I, I don't know what order I want to go in. So uh going back to the 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 uh John Wayne Murdoch match, what I loved is I noticed you, I noticed John Wayne Murdoch, and then I noticed the referee. I don't even know if you remember the referee. Uh, it was, we called him kid ref. He, he worked for impact. Uh, Chris, uh, he was wearing, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, when I saw that, I'm like, oh, okay, great. So already before you guys even locked up. Okay. This already elevated. So I'm like, oh, okay. Chris is a reputable ref. I'm like, okay, this is great. Uh, but my question is you talked about like doing the death matches and all that kind of stuff when, and you could do any type of match. When was the last like match you had that wasn't a death match? Any other match, like like maybe it was just a ladder match or a technical <laughs> wrestling match or whatever. When was the last non-death match you had? Do you remember? Man, you know, it's it's fucked up. It really is fucked up because I like all forms of wrestling. You know, don't let it fool you that I just like doing death match. I feel like just regular mat wrestling, I feel like it gets boring after a while. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at least throw a chair in there or a table or just something to spice it up. You know, I'm not saying you got to go completely berserker with razor boards and fucking lobster tanks, you know, just <laughs> something to spice it up a tiny bit. You know what I mean? Um, and I was just having this conversation. With, we, we All the Deathmatch guys have like a, a, a thread on Facebook. All the like, I guess you could say higher up guys. Rah, rah, rah. You know, um, and I was like, man, I was looking at all my track record of the last like two, three years. And I, and I said to them, I was like, I don't think I've not been in a fucking death match. I wrestle like 75 times a year. And I don't think I haven't been in a death match in the last three years or at least, you know, some form of hardcore. Like, so honestly, I can't even remember a match that hasn't had at least chairs or or tables or something. And even I just like last year, I think it was, or two years ago, I wrestled Haku. And even in that match, there was light tubes and fucking chairs and shit. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things I wanted to ask you is it's like, you know, you get to this place where, you know, you train, you know, by a pretty legit trainer, right? You know how to do the mat wrestling. You know how to do the in-ring stuff. You fall into this death match stuff. What was the first kind of like, what, what was the stuff that you liked as a kid or maybe as a, a younger adult or whatever? What drew you to pro wrestling? I mean, that stuff really, you know, uh, I'm from New Jersey. I'm from like South Jersey and my family is from Philadelphia. And I don't know if you know what the Mummers Parade is. Every year on New Year's, people like, practice and make performances and get you know all year and they wear costumes and on new year's day they march down uh this main street in Philadelphia and they put on a performance and they get drunk and blah 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 well it's 
there's all different brigades that do these performances. And one and a bunch of people in my family are in one of those brigades. They were the South Philly Vikings. Well, Viking, the South Philly Vikings used to practice in Viking Hall in Philadelphia, which was the arena, which where ECW was. So when I was a little kid, I would go with my fucking family, like my cousins, to the South Philly Vikings practice, and I would see the dudes from ECW training and fucking practicing in the ring. So I was hip to that shit from a kid, you know, as a kid. And then it slowly graduated to CZW and blah, 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 blah you know. And I'm a big fan of, like, I do, I've been in punk bands since I was about 15, 16 years old. And, you know, I'm a fan of Gigi Allen. And I've been cutting my bottles and being an asshole playing in bands since I was, you know, a teenager. And you couple being around ECW and CZW, early CZW, and Gigi Allen and punker shit, you combine that stuff, and that's how you get a me. You know, so I've been, I've been around that shit. Since I can remember, I can't even remember, you know, and that stuff, it, it took me down the rabbit hole. You know, I was Saturday morning WWF, right? Who the fuck didn't like that shit? But then, you know, seeing ECW and then going into Japan stuff. And in all reality, I don't even watch American wrestling really anymore. The only stuff I watch is BJW and Freedoms and Mexican wrestling. The crazier it gets, the more I like it, you know? Yeah. How do you turn it off because you have to get to a certain level, a certain mindset to go out there, cut yourself open. There's a great picture on your Instagram where you have blood spurting out of your forehead, which uh, I, I I see three guys, at least on this podcast that probably couldn't pull that off without crying a little bit. Uh, well, Lars, maybe you would be able to do it. Not me and Pete. Uh, we have our panties on. How, how do you turn off when it's done? How do you go from deathmatch shellac to you know what i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna have a beer and relax shellac i don't know if there is a line anymore (laughs) maybe maybe at one time there was a line you know how like the iron cheek i don't know what the iron cheek's real name we'll say john smith you know which I don't think his name is probably John Smith. <laughs> you know, the Iron Cheeks, you know, there was probably at one time there was John Smith and then there was the Iron Cheek. And then slowly over time, it like melded into nothing but the Iron Cheek and he's like smoking crack and acting like a maniac and on Howard Stern. And now you get what you see, you know, now. I'm sure there was a time, my, my name's Jay. Uh, I'm sure there was, you know, there was a time when it was Jay and Schlack over here, but the older I get, it's fucking slack all the time. You know, slack makes me money. You know, but you know, I, I calm time. I guess you know, oh, man. I don't even know what fucking reality is anymore, dude. I, I I'm, I've been tattooing for twenty five years. I'm I've been playing in punk and metal and death metal bands and grind bands since I was about sixteen, and I'm a professional deathmatch wrestler. What the fuck is reality? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> well, this is this I'm is. I'm in the shower drinking a beer on a podcast at ten thirty at night. <laughs> this is probably the most like normal thing you've done probably in a very long time. I would say. Hey, rock and roll, brother. <laughs> um, but my question is, okay, so the matches, you know, you're a bloody mess when it's done. Um, I always want, cause I see, okay. I see guys when they do just like a regular hardcore match or they're in whatever they get 
a, a cut or or whatever the case may be like the last time i busted up myself open was in march and the first thing i think is like ah oh, fuck i got to go to the hospital now that that's what i think i don't want to go to the hospital right i like that's just me because i know it's going to take time waiting room all that kind of bs right so instead you know um josh alexander just helped me you know glue it shut super glue right oh, but he's going to do yeah so I, I just want to know, and I'll see guys like whatever the medics there and they get stitched up, however they take care of it. Right. What's the cleanup process for you? Like I've seen it where like, I've been on shows with necro butcher and stuff like that. And he doesn't do anything. He leaves the blood there. And all he does is wrap a whatever around his head to stop the cut. And he's done. I mean, do you go to the hospital? Do you take a little bit and be like, all right, I'm going to clean up. Do you hop in the shower right away? Do you have, do you have a person that picks out your glass? Like, how does that go? Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's so commonplace for me to be cut and bleeding now, you know, like that's my reality is bleeding and in pain. And, you know, so it's like regular, it's normal to me now. I don't, you know, as sad and terrible of a reality that is, <laughs> uh, it's, it's normal. You know, it doesn't really phase me. Most people I'll see people, you know, I'll, I'll be on a show and, see someone, they'll come in the back, like, oh, I got a cut. No, I'm like, man, that's not fucking bad at all. You know, they're like, should I get stitches? I'm like, dude, you know what it requires for me to go to the hospital? Because I've been in the hospital fucking 40 times for cuts. But, you know, it's a waste of time, you know. You go there, and what do they do for you besides jack your fucking hospital bill up and, you know, basically rape your ass with a fucking, you know, ambulance bill and the whole nine yards? It's pointless, so, you know, as a trial and error, you know, I know now that unless I'm, unless my arm is like fucking backwards and, or there's some severe internal bleeding, it's pointless to me to go to the hospital. So most of the deathmatch guys, it's, it's a, it's a odd, it's a very odd club. It's a very odd, you know, when we're in the ring, we're murdering each other. I don't care how much I like you. I don't care how much I shoot the shit with you outside of the ring. When we're in the ring, it's fucking business, never personal, like EPMD. It, it, you know, but when we're out of the ring, I'll be the first person to go up to you and fucking clean off your fucking back and get the glass and look at your back and like, yo, dude, uh, you got this one cut here. Let's just shoot a bunch of super glue in it. Or, you know, they make other shit now, like they make powdered uh, scab. It's like, oh. it looks like black gunpowder and you pour it in the fucking cut and it instantly forms a scab on your back. Nice. You know, uh, but shit like that. You know, most people would, you know, oh, I don't want to do that. I want to go to the hospital, you know, listen to a medical professional. I mean, the amount of fucking times I've seen cuts, like I said, I've been tattooing for 25 years. I'm actually a trained EMT in New Jersey. When I started tattooing, you need to get, you know, training from, uh, you know, emergency shit like for EMT and stuff like that. So, I'm kind of a doctor, right? <laughs> doctor death. Oh, wait, no, that's already taken. No, doctor death match. Doctor death match. Oh, fucking new t-shirt design. Born yeah. here on the wrestling perspective. Doctor <laughs> death match. Fucking that would, that would be sick, Schlack. You got to make that. Doctor yeah. death match. It's Fuck. coming right up, brother. Yeah, that's sick. So, you know, I was thinking as you've been talking and, you know, and, you know, seeing G Raver, you know, doing that spot where he almost, you know, he fucking fucked himself up really, really bad and getting through it and how emotional that must have been for him. 
on that last uh, GCW show. It was a three cups full, right? Yes, sir. Um, you know, one of the things I started thinking about was like, you know, wrestling as it is, it's a contact, you're, you're in contact. There's sometimes where I think that when you're physical with anybody, it can, it can get out of control pretty quickly, right? So have you ever been in one of those situations where shit just got out of control? And number two, I, so this is a two-part question. Has there ever been a guy that you've been in there with and you're just kind of going, well, I'm in here with, I mean, you know, I know you're legit crazy. You wouldn't do it unless you, you know. Or, nice spot, dude. Well, but you know what I'm saying? Like, are you, have you ever been in there gone like, fuck, this guy across the ring here, I don't, he's unpredictable kind of thing. I mean, I have everyone, especially someone that you've never, you know, worked a match with before. Everyone has their preconceived notions about who you're stepping in the ring with, right? You know, me personally, I don't give a fuck who you put me in the ring with. You know, it's my job to wrestle. You put me in the ring, you know, take the fucking, you know, the, the, uh, the leash off, let Schlack attack, you know. It's my job. So I'm not here to police, you know. I don't want to work this guy. I don't want to wrestle this guy. I think this guy, you know, that's not my job. Um, but, you know, obviously, like I said, I have my preconceived notions about specific people. You know, in wrestling can work multiple ways. You know, you, you could be a good promoter and you could put me in the ring with someone you think I'm going to work well with. If I get in that ring and I work well with them, it's, it's ultimately going to make the match better for everyone, for me, for the guy I'm wrestling, and for the audience. But if you work against me, yeah, probably the audience will probably enjoy that too because we're going to fuck each other up and beat the shit out of each other. You know, but ultimately it has a way larger chance of being a piece of shit and not entertaining at all. You know, but uh, as far as anyone that I've had a preconceived notion about going into the wrestling ring and not, you know, ah, man, not really. I don't really give a fuck, you know, uh, I'll tell you, here's someone, you know that, that Mexican girl, Sadika, have you seen her yet? She is out of her fucking mind, man. <laughs> and, you know, listen, I, I've been in the ring with some bad, bad motherfuckers, some bad, bad human beings. I used to box when I was younger, too. Uh, some bad fucking motherfuckers. Yo, Sadika, woman, Mexican broad, dude, she is one of the hardest people I've ever experienced with in a fucking wrestling match. And I don't know if it's because her, she just speaks zero English. I mean, I'm, I'm not fluent in Spanish, but I'm all right because I'm Italian. So Italians, and I lived with my grandmother. It's relatively close to Spanish. The dialect is different, but I don't know if she doesn't have any communication with other wrestlers, so it makes her look like she's completely out of her mind because she can't communicate with the other wrestlers. She can't call shit on the fly, and she can't do something like that. But <laughs> you could talk to Murdoch. You were speaking about Murdoch and Red. She is out of her mind, and I could see there. I, I've heard as of recent, uh, there's multiple people that I consider bad motherfuckers in the wrestling ring that are like, "Yo, I don't want to wrestle that girl. I'm, I'm afraid of." <laughs> so. Sadika, how's that sound? All right. The older you get, are there things you find yourself that you're not really wanting to do anymore in a death match? Uh, I really have no limits. 
The only thing I don't like is barefoot. And that seems to be the overall consensus with people that really don't care about much when it comes to wrestling gimmicks and deathmatch stuff. Barefoot. You know, I can't walk outside on the fucking right off of my stoop out front. I can't walk on the concrete without, you know, with shoes or even socks on. It's I'm like, I have super sensitive feet. I don't know if that's a commonplace thing, but barefoot stuff is probably the only thing that I would, you know, veer away from. Most anything else, the rock and roll, man, you know, razor boards. And the only thing I turned down, I've only turned down one match. I did, it was for uh, Carnage Cup, like, Four years ago in Alabama, <laughs> uh, the guy was like, it's like a summer fun vacation match. I was like, okay, what the fuck's that entail, dude? It's like, we're going to put fish hooks all around the ropes. I'm like, Ooh. okay. You know, hooks around the ropes. And he's like, and then there's going to be a kiddie pool and it's going to have snapping turtles in the ring. I'm like, dude, dude, come on, man. I don't even, listen, I'm not even talking from a PETA standpoint but a snapping turtle will bite your motherfucking finger right off so i was like i'm gonna pass on snapping turtle so that's the only actual match i've turned down was snapping turtles all right so if any of your future opponents are watching this right now they know your weaknesses now are snapping Achilles turtles yep yeah. and, uh, and feet bare feet so uh Press. um I, i'm gonna ask you one whenever i uh you know, I'm doing interviews and I'm in your spot. I, I hate it when people ask this to me, but you know, uh, I'm going to ask it to you just so you can, just cause I want, um, your, your favorite match that you've wrestled in. Do you have a favorite match that you've wrestled in? Oh my God, dude. Yeah, I know. I, I, I hate that too. And I, and this is why I hate it. And while you're thinking, I'll tell you why I hate it is because I feel like, man, I don't like, I don't even know if I had a match. Like, Hey, if you want to know Petey Williams is like, this is the match you should watch. Like I have a couple in mind that I remember were very like, right. they weren't even my best matches. Like I felt I performed the best, but they were very memorable because of whatever, maybe it was the show or how the fans reacted or, you know, uh, maybe I was something off the bucket list, the guy I wanted to wrestle or whatever, but um, you know, might not be my best like physical match, but you know, my favorite memory of a match or whatever the case may be. What, what would you say is like your favorite, like maybe, I don't know if you've been to Japan or whatever, going over to Japan for yeah. the first time, or maybe wrestling, you know, like. Been in Japan multiple times. Okay. Maybe your first time in Japan, favorite? Uh, I mean, yeah, they're, they're great too. I mean, like you said, you know, okay, uh, I can look at it this way. On one hand, uh, my favorite match, technically I performed amazing in this match, but it was against, you know, John Dickhead. You know, okay, big deal. But I, oh yeah, I performed great. Or this match against someone that I really appreciate that I even had the opportunity and I'm humbled by to be in the mm -hmm. ring with. You know, me personally, I would probably lean towards just getting the opportunity to be in the ring with someone that I appreciate from when I was younger or before I was, you know, a professional wrestler. I mean, I got to have the Necro Butcher. I'm still what you want about the Necro Butcher. You know, he gets a lot of fucking flack these days. But Necro is a forefather of deathmatch wrestling. And, you know, the guy is a master of psychology. Um, I got to be Necro Butcher's final match. He had fucking cancer. 
and he still got in the fucking ring to wrestle me, even though he was like 11 months into having fucking chemotherapy and cancer. So that to me, you know, it wasn't the greatest match on earth. I mean, I don't know how fucking good of a match you could possibly have with a dude that, you know, is six foot fucking five, 175 pounds because he's been on chemo for 11 months. But it's just the fact that he even got off of the bench to have that final match to put me over and to roll up his career with a nice fancy bow on the top, you know. That to me means a lot more than me getting in the ring and having some fucking Mac Classic with some guy that's just a good guy, you know, on the current indie scene. So I would say Necro Butcher's final match. It's a good one, man. That's a that's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, I I I, I one of my favorite moments that that I I that I, of yours that that I've loved to watch over and over again is you and Abdullah Kobayashi. And at the end when you say you love each other. And it was like, it was, it was pretty cool because you guys beat the shit out of each other. Cause I saw him wrestle in Japan. That was the first time I've ever, I've never actually seen a death match here in the United States. It's always been over there. So it's whether it's been June Kasai or Ito or, or him, but when he was still a young boy, in one of his, like one of the pre preliminary matches, like the, the curtain jerkers, as you would say. Um, and then to see him turn into what he, he became, you know what I mean? And a lot of those guys that, that era. So, you know, wrestling a guy like that, when you have that language barrier, but you know, you, you kind of have the same goal, you know, when you were talking also about the Mexican girl that, you know, obviously doesn't speak any English, but you know, the communication, the communication barrier. Do you find that harder in these types of matches? Um, do you have like a safe word or anything like that? Or is it just kind of balls out? Um, before we get to this, do you ever shoot the shit with Kobayashi? That guy is amazing. Uh, I, I, when I found out I had to wrestle him, I, he, he, he like seemed, he like exudes reincarnation of buddha to me i don't know if he's if you can see that yeah, he's right. like i can't I, I can't not smile around the guy he's so he, he i feel like he's like buddha and i'm like i don't even know if i could muster up wanting to hurt this fucking guy I, he, he's he's so nice and he exudes positivity so much um but the language barrier, I mean, there, there's there's wrestling talk, you know what I mean? There's there's wrestling. And I I actually learned something from Abdullah in that match. He looks at me and he's like, uh, you know, in a fewer words than what I'm about to say, like, so you could obviously cave my fucking head in, you know. He's like, but me and you, uh, face wrestling, you know, everything is here. It doesn't matter what you're doing here. Everything is here. Oh, oh, little slap. Oh, face wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. That goes a long way. I obviously knew, you know, this is your where your money is. You know, when you're fucking wrestling, you turn around and you look at the camera. You put your face. Ah, oh, that's where your money is. But I didn't truly get that until I worked that match with him because he was like face wrestling. You know, that you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing here as long as you know what you're doing here. And, uh. I don't know where I was going with that, with a couple of these Budweiser's, but um, uh, Abdul Kobayashi, you know, that that was the fucking, you know, I, I, like I said, I learned a lot 
from that guy. Uh, amazing dude. I don't know where I was going with that. Sorry, dude. Well, I guess the, the second half of my question was, is that because of there's a language barrier, <laughs> is there like a safe word or something, or is there some sort well, of like, that could be like, like a... Like, it's like wrestle talk. I, I didn't, that's where I was going with the face. That's, you know, um, you know, once you know the code, the wrestling code, you don't really need to go beyond that. I mean, you know, I, I mean, shit, I could turn around and I can fucking look in someone's eyes. And if I, you know, you give them a certain look and they know kind of how to react if you're giving them a certain look. And I think, you know, that's a universal thing, whether it be in Mexico, whether it be in Germany, whether it be in, in Japan. I, I feel like guys that have been in the ring enough and doing the same exact type of shit, you know, obviously the more you're in the ring with a certain person, the more you're going to, you know, feel the match rather than just talk the match or, or, or work the match. You know, I, I think feeling the match is the ultimate. And, that, and I think that's where that face wrestling comes in. You're feeling the fucking match. You know, uh, but obviously, yeah, it, it's more difficult with the language barrier. But when you're in there, you know, with someone like that, that guy's a fucking class act. That guy's a complete legend. You know, it's it's a walk in the park. You know what I mean? I don't really do anything. Just, yeah. Everything's right here. I don't want to get too deep with this question. And a few times you say, you know, you don't think about tomorrow. It's It's about right now. And Father Time is undefeated in any industry, wrestling, sports, whatever, life. Do do you think about what your plan B is if, if this deathmatch thing comes to an end? Like you find out maybe you can still wrestle, but you can't do deathmatch stuff. Do you do you switch it up to stay in the industry? Do you say if I can't do deathmatches, I'm out? What is your mindset when it comes to this? Absolutely no compromise. I'm going to do what I want to do the way I want to do it, completely engorged in blood until the fucking wheels fall off. I'm, I'm not going to do it any other way. I, I, I've i seen way too many people prolong and extend their fucking you know, career and just get to the point of where they embarrass themselves. And all that does is discredit all the fucking awesome badass shit you did previously. And I'm not going to do that to myself. You know, luckily, I am in a position where you know, I wrestle, you know, as cliche and corny as it sounds, I do it for the love of the game. You know what I'm saying? I do it for a different reason. I don't do it for money. I'm a fucking 25-year tattooer. I don't need to do it. But I do it because I like fucking defying God and I like challenging fucking God. And you can't do this. You can't roll around on glass and razor blades. You know what? Motherfuck you. I can roll around in glass on razor blades. You know? That's why I do this shit. I don't do it for money. You know, I, I make plenty of fucking money. I mean, obviously now, you know, I only tattoo one, two days a fucking week just to keep my chops up, you know, because I'm wrestling the rest of the time. But I don't need to do it because I can fall back on tattooing and I have that. So there's absolutely no reason for me to even, even if like AEW or NXT, which I wouldn't even put myself in a position for them to even call me up to do that. Because I won't compromise at all. I I, I don't want to not do crazy death matches. So I won't even put myself in a position for them to even give me the shot there. Because I'd rather be the underground ace. Dude, like I said, I'm a fucking old punk rocker. I appreciate T.G. Allen and I appreciate the mentors and all kinds of fucked up punker bands. Yes, they didn't make it to the fucking 
to the hill. They didn't make it to the top of the hill. But I still remember those guys, and that's all that matters to me. And I remember, you know, Mr. Pogo. Yeah, Mr. Pogo wasn't Anoki, but guess what? I fucking remember Mr. Pogo more than I remember Anoki. I remember June Kasai way more than I'm going to fucking remember uh, who the fuck is popular in WWE now. You know See, what I'm you can't even think of their name. That's how you don't remember it. Exactly. Because right? <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it's the punker underground aces. They're the guys that last forever. They're the guys that fucking, they are the, the Billy the Kids, the, the Billy Kids, the, the outlaws. You know, how? What, what was Billy the Kid alive? What, what was that? Early 1900s? Uh, you know, he, that guy, you remember that guy. You don't remember the other assholes that created fucking, you know, the uh, plush seats in a fucking automobile or the guys that invented, you know, um, I don't know, uh, the oven. You don't remember those guys. You remember Billy the Kid, the fucking owl, did it his way, the way he wanted to. And there ain't many of those guys left. I, I like to think that I'm at least you know, maintaining my credibility to that point, you know, so I refuse, I refuse to adhere and I refuse to fucking push my career in a direction that I didn't want to do from the start. So, you know, crash and burn, motherfucker. And what the, uh, so, you know, it's, it's good. Cause like, obviously you're very creative and you want to do it your own way. Uh, obviously uh, one th- one thing that i really th- I, maybe i don't watch enough death matches it was new to me uh you know watching your stuff but uh the plastic bag you know i love that spot that was like probably one of it's so simple it, you know it could legit kill somebody right uh, i mean all oh, that stuff you get it yeah um but it's so simple because uh you know like the escape is easy because it's a plastic bag and the guy's hands aren't tied or anything like that but i loved it because i'm like wow people know what it's like to like almost drown or something or lose their breath or whatever. Maybe not everybody knows what it's like to get like, you know, razor blades on their back or something, but that people know what it's like to lose their breath. So um, how, like, that's very creative. So I got to give you kudos to that. How, did, how long have you been doing that? Like, or did you come up with it or. Uh, since I've been starting wrestling, honestly, it's, I got it from a video game in all reality. Um, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat. No, no, no. Um, uh, the Hitman. There's one part oh, in that okay. video game, Hitman, where he puts the plastic bag over the guy's head. And then he puts the piano wire. Um, I figure the piano wire is too real and you'd have to fucking kill the guy every time. But the plastic bag, you can break out of the blah, blah. But anyway, plastic bag, dude, it, it's, it's, it's not the weapon. It's the fear. Yes. It's the fear. That's what makes that good. Everyone knows what it's like to not be able to breathe. And that's fucking horrifying. I feel bad. I don't, all right, listen, I don't actually feel bad, but when I'm like, yo, we're going to put the plastic bag over your head, uh, that sucks, dude, because not breathing fucking sucks, even for five seconds. Not breathing is a nightmare, dude. Your fucking light flashes behind your eyes, over your eyes, you know, uh, but that that's, that's the good stuff, the stuff that inv- invokes fear in people, you know. And plastic bag does that. So that's why I do the plastic bag, you know. Well, I want to touch on something that you were saying about like the kind of the bigger companies or whatever to call up. You don't even want to be seen by that. And I mean, yo, listen, don't, don't get me wrong. You know, money talks. I, I, <laughs> listen, don't, don't I, get, get me wrong. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. It's kind of, you're more, you're concerned about your aesthetic. You don't want to, you're not going to lose anything 
You won't, you won't go do something if, if you have to sacrifice. I fucking get it. That's the way I've lived my life for 50 fucking years. So my, my, I guess my question, my respect back, my, my question to you is though, now that we're seeing like this, you know, you know, and also another thing we touched on, deathmatch wrestling kind of like carried the wrestling, you know, anyways, you, you're seeing like Jericho and Gage on national TV in front of a sold out stadium. Now the whole world, well, some of it, right? The wrestling world is seeing this, this kind of wrestling and what, how entertaining it is, how dangerous it is. And, uh, you know, with the, the, the landscape of wrestling now, we have so many places where you can go. You know what I mean? You got GCW, you got Ring of Honor, you got Impact, you've got AEW. There's, uh, there's so many other choices. Um, do you, do you feel like we're at a golden age of wrestling right now where anything is possible? This creative freedom is, is, is given back to the wrestlers. Does this, does this, uh, how am I, how am I trying to ask this? Yes. Are we at a golden age of professional wrestling, a modern golden age in your opinion? I mean, I would say. It's the next paradigm shift from the attitude era. Would you say that? Yeah. I would think the last peak of the hills and valleys. I would say the last peak of the hills and valleys was the attitude era. And then it slowly dipped down. And I think it's peaking back up. I don't know if there's more wrestling fans because it's peaking. You know, I, I have no idea. Or... Old wrestling fans are gaining interest again. Uh, because I remember there was Monday Night Wars. That shit was crazy. There wasn't there like two million viewers every single weekend, you know, or every single Monday. That, that that's crazy. I don't know if there's more viewers in it, but yeah, I would definitely say the hills and valleys. I would say it's peaking, and, and I wouldn't say it's a golden age for the big companies. I would say it's a golden age for the little guy now and the little guy has the opportunity because of fight tv and because of iwtv and because of the internet and youtube that is a whole new platform that wasn't available back then you know back then you knew this and you knew that and these wrestlers and they happened on monday now you have this huge paradigm shifts where you can get whatever wrestling whenever you want all the time you know so i think it's a little more selective and you're getting to focus on people that aren't getting the shine that in the big companies you know what i mean uh your favorite wrestler could be abdul kobayashi yes he is not in aw and yes he's not in ww or mxt or ring of honor but that don't fucking matter anymore because you have YouTube and you have IWTV and you can go boop, 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 boop. I'm going to look up Abdul Kobayashi because that's my favorite wrestler, even though I don't even fucking see him on all these huge platforms. And that's what's the paradigm shift and making things available now. Everything's at your fingertips. It's like music, dude. Same exact shit. You know what I mean? Uh, you are, this is punk rock. This is all you get. Well, internet happened and this and that, you know, now you don't even, you know, you can just record an awesome album in your basement now, 
You know what I mean? And it could be the most punk rock fucking thing of all time. You know, that wasn't possible back then. Yes, you could have recorded an awesome, amazing punk rock album in your basement, but no one would hear it. But now you are the record label. Now you are the wrestling promotion because you have the power to promote it with just you by your hands, by your Instagram or your Twitter. You build your own platform. You are the record label. Hey, guess what? My punk band is awesome. No one's ever heard it, but guess what? I have 20,000 followers on Twitter. Well, guess what? I'm my own fucking record label. I don't need Nuclear Blast or Go-Kart Records. I'll put my punk album on there and everyone's going to hear, just as many people are going to hear it on my platform as they are on Go-Kart or fucking Metal Blade Records. That's what's amazing nowadays. And So yes, it's a fucking complete paradigm shift and it's a new Golden Age of Records or Golden Age of Wrestling. I don't know if it's as equivalent to the you know the fucking attitude era, but it's a new peak in the valley. You know? I I want to take this conversation back to the early days of your wrestling career, and this is kind of a two part question. But what was your welcome to the major league moment? You know, it's a question I always used to ask athletes. And that's a term, you know, where they get the wake up call where they're like, rookie, you're in the big leagues now. And how much talking into did you did someone have to do to get you into the deathmatch scene? I mean, your wrestling uh, was deathmatch your original destination of where you wanted to go. Dude, my first match had ladders and tables and chairs in it. <laughs> yeah, like no one's ever, you know, um, before, like I said, I've been playing in punk bands since I was a teenager. And I, like I said, I'm a Gigi Allen fan. Blah, 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 blah. So I like bleeding and, you know, that whole bullshit bottles and, you know. And I, I started this band called Eat the Turnbuckle. And Eat the Turnbuckle was, went about 10 years, less than about 10 years. That got me all over the fucking planet. It, what it was was a band, a metal band, playing songs like underground wrestling stuff, not like this next song is called Macho Man Elbow. No, this song is called The Mood of Scale, you know, underground wrestling. What we would do, two of the guys in the band were retired indie workers. And what we would do is we would do spots, deathmatch wrestling spots, in between songs and during songs. There was like six guys in the band. So... We would do deathmatch wrestling a lot. And as the years went by, you know, we caught on and people in the wrestling scene caught on to it and they started getting hip to it. We were trying to be as respectful as we possibly could to wrestling. You know, so then we would start having like eat the turnbuckle versus Matt Tremont and eat the turnbuckle versus Balls Mahoney, eat the turnbuckle versus the Necro Butcher. And we were getting all these people coming to the shows that were wrestling fans and death metal fans and metal fans and punker fans. And it grew this huge, like, fucking following. Like I said, it got me all over the planet. Dude, I played with Iron Maiden in front of 250,000 people in Wacken, Germany. I would never in a million years guess that that could possibly happen to an asshole like me. You know? <laughs> well, you know, so I, I started, you know, I started to get to know people in the wrestling industry because wrestlers were coming to the shows and like oh we heard about this shit they were coming in gear and they would fucking join and in while we were playing so i knew a lot of the workers already and i knew dj hyde that was running ccw at the time and i already knew all these guys 
So I was like a fucking, you know, a, a wet dream for CZW. There, you know, obviously that was the, the game in town when I first started wrestling. That was deathmatch, you know, yeah. in the United States. Besides maybe like Ian's, like IWA. But I don't live in fucking Kentucky. So I was like a wet dream for CZW. And I already knew DJ, blah, blah. blah. And, you know, when I fucking started training, that's how I started. Cool act was in CZW. And he trained me. Him and a guy named Preacher. Um, so when I was over there, I was like a wet dream. They they already knew that I was willing to be a complete fucking moron and jump through glass and blah, blah, blah. So they were just waiting to get me trained to, to throw me to the fucking wolves. So I went through my training and then, you know, like I said, my first fucking match had ladders and tables and chairs in it. You know, that's not a normal thing. <laughs> so it was right from the get-go, dude. You know, right from the right from the beginning was ego, deathmatch, have at it, swack. We know you like it. So go, going back, uh, you know, to the beginning of your career since we're since we're there right now, uh, you, you did say that. Um, you, you know, you watch the WWE Saturday mornings, like who hasn't, right? So we've all done that. I know that's where kind of, I got my introduction to wrestling and like kind of fell in love with it. At what point, you know, did you think, cause obviously, well, it's not obvious, maybe you didn't, but you know, you probably watch regular wrestling, like, you know, the produced stuff that we see on TV now, but at what point were you like, Hey man, I think, I, I think I could do this for a living but I don't want to do it like these guys I'm watching. I want to do it like, you know, deathmatch, like these other guys. So was there a certain person that was like, hey, man, he's my favorite wrestler because, you know, he does the deathmatches and that's what I want to do and, and that's what I love. I mean, by the time I got to that point, I've always obviously wanted to be a professional wrestler. You know, I, I started a band about professional wrestling, you know. Um, and that, like, the only reason I wasn't, training to wrestle or wrestling while I was in that band into turnbuckle is because I was so consumed with that and touring all over the world. You know, I didn't even have the opportunity or the time. And I, I went through 10 years of that and I went all over the planet. And, I, and I, at the end of it, I was like, listen, dude, I did everything I possibly could do with that band. Um, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up with a nice bow on it. I gotta go get trained, you know, professionally and I gotta go, be a professional wrestler, you know, or it's all in vain, you know? So, at, you know, by the time I got to that point, I was so far down the fucking rabbit hole with, you know, seeing deathmatch and blah, blah. I, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and everyone else knew what they wanted to see me do. And that's probably why I'm in the position I am right now where you were saying earlier, when's the last time you did a regular mat match? It's not that I can't, do a fucking, you know, technical wrestling match or a comedy match or whatever the fuck you want me to do. It's no one wants to see me do that. I mean, maybe some people do, but for the most part, when you hear, oh, slacks on the card, you want to see me fucking beat somebody's fucking head in or roll around in razor blades or whatever, you know. So I was so far down the rabbit hole that, that you know, that's where I was and that's where I'm at. And that's why I don't want to deviate from that. I feel like, that's my place in wrestling history, and I'd rather stay there than have someone else tell me to not do that just for some notoriety. I think on a long enough timeline, if I put as much slack into it as I possibly can and, and try and 
keep it as quality as I possibly can. I think on a long enough timeline, uh, motherfuck accolades, motherfuck, you know, all, all the positive shit that comes with it, you know, media coverage. I think on a long enough timeline, at the very end, that's when I'll get my due. I'll get my due at the very end when, oh, but you remember that guy? You remember Shrek? You remember that guy? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this, blah, 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 blah. So I don't need PWI 500 fucking to be number 375 in the United States, <laughs> which is dripping. Blah, blah, blah. I don't need any of that bullshit because I know on a long enough timeline at the end of the fucking road, that's when you get the payoff. Well, you know, we had a, a fantasy draft and I just want to say, that I chose you. I yep. think you were like, remember, do you guys remember when I chose I, you? Yep. You did. They were, you know, they were probably like, who the fuck is trying? Who are you talking about? <laughs> but so one of but my I guess my question is kind of a maybe a, a two-parter, but so on our day off on this last string of touring, um, we would all get together with me and Tim and our and our one of the guys that works for us, Anthony, and they'd come over to my room. And I'd hook up the computer to the TV and we'd have deathmatch day offs because they weren't familiar with the deathmatch, whatever. We all you, fell you, you poisoned them. You poisoned them. I poisoned the fuck out of them. <laughs> well, one of the one of the one of the, the conversations that we had, because this it, it really affected these guys. They could only watch like two matches, then they'd have to go. You know, me, I could sit there for hours and just of watch. Of course. But so one of the things was, and I know your mom might have not given you the name Schlack, but we were trying to figure out where you came, because it doesn't sound Italian to me. It could be, but maybe an Italian like <laughs> slang word or something. But where you, we had a, a debate, and I, and I will say it lasted about 20 minutes, where we thought maybe you got your name. So really? I, I would like for you to clear that up, because I will be playing this for them later. Okay, well, it's not as cool as you would like. I know you want a nice, cool story about it, but um, uh, I'm half Italian, half German, okay? My last name is Von Schlachter. Ah. So when I was a kid, all my buddies called me Schlack as short nickname, and that stuck. And it's funny you're saying that. Um, when I, like, graduated wrestling training, um, Gulak, was like, okay, what are we going to call Schlack? What, what kind of gimmick are we going to Because he was notorious for giving people crazy, weird gimmicks. Like, Because he wrestled for Takara for a while, and he liked making those weird, like, Mr. Aquaman, you know, uh, the troll man, and giving all these weird... Uh, what are we going to give uh, Schlack's name? And thank God my other trainer, uh, fucking preacher, was like, oh, uh, he's going to be Schlack. He already has his own gimmick already. We don't need to change it. So, you know, namaste or whatever the fuck they say nowadays. <laughs> I mean, but that, that clears it up. That, that clears right, it yeah. up. So, so it's, it's, it's not as cool as you would think, but well, it's, it's not like a, my last name. Well, there's not like a wiki out there for you. So it's not, right, not right. you don't know your real fucking name, you know? Right, I mean, right. There's not a wiki yet for you, but. but I, I prefer no wiki. Well, fair enough. But my point is, is that normally you could find out that information pretty right. But the fact that we were talking about just your name for 20 minutes shows you just, you know, why, you know, I mean, what you're saying, I'm, I'm reading your mail. Dennis, go ahead. All right. We got time for one more question apiece. I guess my question is, 
And this is going to be the uh, nerdy fan question that I've been holding off all night. I thought someone would ask this is what hurts the most in a death match for you? What is, is there one thing when someone pulls out a light tube or a razor and you kind of internally cringe, you go, Oh, this is going to suck. And, but you take it anyways. Um, I mean, you know, it's a give and take, man. You know, if I'm like, Hey, at some point I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to fucking power bomb you through all these carpet strips, you know, when it comes time for him to be like, okay, I'm going to do this, blah, blah, blah to you. You kind of have to do it back. You know, it's a give and take. Uh, so you tend to forget about, you know, your adrenaline's, my adrenaline's going, man. Nothing really fucking hurts until 30 minutes after the match. During the match, I'm like a fucking Terminator, bro. You know, you, you, can, you know, I lost my front teeth uh, when I was a kid. I got in a fist fight with someone. There was a baseball on the fucking ground. The dude picked up a baseball and threw a baseball. I mean, I turned around and it cracked me right in the mouth and my teeth flew out. And to this day, when I close my eyes to lay down, I see a fucking baseball. <laughs> I, so I do not recommend that. I hate baseball. <laughs> but anyway, um, most shit doesn't really phase me because your adrenaline's fucking going, but if I had to say one thing that fucking hurts the most, the one thing that hurts the most, oh, man, that's tough. Like I said, because it's all the same because my adrenaline's going. But I would say, man, it, you know, all that deathmatch shit, once you get over the hump of not caring about being cut and slashed, that's the thing is most people have this innate fear inside their brains where getting a cut and a, uh, you know, a, a subcutaneous fucking flesh wound cut, uh, it's the worst thing on earth, blah, blah, blah. Once you get over that fact that a cut isn't bad, you know, you're just only cutting my dermis or maybe getting to my epidermis. It's only a, a slight cut. Once you get over that, that shit doesn't matter. What really hurts is, you know, taking a fucking gonzo bomb onto the fucking concrete outside of the ring that hurts way more than rolling around on fucking you know broken fucking window pane glass so i would say regular wrestling moves hurt more than the fucking death that shit you just got to get over that hump and most people can't get over that hump i just happen to be stupid enough to get over that hump all right i guess for my last question um Met, I, I've been on several shows with uh, Necro Butcher. I actually uh, was able, I, I wrestled him once in a, a three-way match. It was so ridiculous because um, it, it wasn't a death match and why we were wrestling each other, whatever. The promoter was Billy Corgan and he wanted that match, so we gave it to him. Um, but so going back to Necro Butcher, he did say one time, I heard through a rumor, that uh, he, if it was in Japan, I believe, and if the money was right, he would actually uh, cut off a part of his body, like a pinky finger or something, during a death match. All right, is that something that you you is that, is that rumor true? And is that something that you were like, yeah, you know, for a certain amount of money, I would sever my pinky? Please say no. Oh, <laughs> that's a really long pause because I. Oh no, brother! Money talks, man. Money talks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, knowing Dylan, knowing Necro, yeah, he probably said that. 
You know, <laughs> I, I don't know where that bar is. I don't know if that money bar is high or low. I don't know on him. Me personally, you know, what hand are we talking about here? You know, <laughs> if yeah. it's my fret hand, I will fuck my guitar playing up. You know, maybe on my right hand, I don't need that to tattoo. You know. Uh, well, let me ask you this: You get to pick any single part of your body. He he just said, I, I don't even know if he said pinky. He just said a part of his body, okay. and I think the 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 conversation went like what like a little piece of his pinky and i think we started imagining how much it would cost to for one of us to get something cut off and all that kind of stuff but you pick the body part what would it be i'm not even going to ask the money because i, I don't want to know um someone will pay it yeah somebody will oh, pay it and then you'll end up being <laughs> deep south fucking iwa or something yeah, yeah. um that, that's the easy question yeah because i've had my toes cut off <laughs> so yeah, rock and roll, dude. I can lose a couple middle toes there. They're, they don't mean shit. Well, don't when say was, that on air because then now that's just like, hey, will you do it for a hundred bucks? No, no. Yeah. Like, me, yeah, exactly. Show me the money, brother. You know, come on. You know, when I was younger, I, there was a, oh, uh, the attic in my house. Um, there was a mirror on it and my toys were upstairs and I used to slam the fucking attic door. And I went up to the door and I didn't have shoes on. I slammed it hard and the fucking mirror fell off the door and cut three of my toes off. Damn. So, I mean, I, they sewed them back on. They just didn't grow. So they're kind of small. If you ever see me in person, ask me. I'll show you my foot. It's real weird. I, it's like I have three pinky toes on one toe. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, cut my toes off. Who gives a fuck? Dude, you don't use that things. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hands up. But oh my god. You say something schlack. I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't know if I cut you off. No, no, no. Okay. Well, I guess for my last question, I, and I hope we have an opportunity to get you on this again. But you know, one of the things that, that I noticed with you is is you know, I've watched a shit ton of your matches over the years. You have a, a good chemistry with a few people. And I feel like that's what really makes a really good death match is when you actually have that chemistry. And I think we all sort of referenced the John Wayne Murdoch and how much chemistry is there between the two of you. Um, is there somebody out there that you haven't been able to get a got, had a chance to wrestle yet that you would like to maybe in your, in your sort of, uh, you know, in the death match arena, or is there another wrestler that you just like to go lock horns with? You know, I mean, is there somebody out there that you have yet to step in the ring with somebody you respect and you're just like, fuck, I can't wait to get in there. Um, I mean, dude, I've wrestled pretty much everybody. That's you know, um, I'm very fortunate enough, you know, especially, um, I don't know what it is, but people like to feed me the guys that, were of yesteryear, like we we're saying Haku and people of that nature. Promotions, for some reason, I'm like a freak show wrestler. Yeah, I get it. You know, uh, matches like me versus Rick Steiner, for some reason, are appealing. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of lucky in that matter. Um, so there ain't many people left for me to even, you know. But um, I've never, Ciclope from Mexico. I think he's probably the fucking craziest deathmatch wrestler I've ever seen. I haven't wrestled him in a one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I've been, 
I'm in multi-man matches with Takeda from Japan. I haven't had an opportunity to have a one-on-one with him. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a couple dudes that, you know, I need another round with, you know what I mean? Like Alex Cologne, I need a round two with. Uh, yeah, yeah. Murdoch is another guy I would like a round two with Murdoch. I've been in multiple multi-man matches with him, but there's nothing like a one-on-one where you're fucking destroying each other. You know, like the last match we had, that I was, I threw him in the back of a fucking car and I was kicking him and chopping him in a car. You know? <laughs> so, you know, like I said, I have, there's not many people left, you know, but there's like Pagano from Mexico. I don't know if you know that guy. Um, I would like to wrestle Chris Dickinson again. Oh, yeah. Um, I like a lot of those strong style fucking Japanese wrestlers. You know, Okobayashi. I don't know if you know that guy. I would like to wrestle that guy. I like strong style wrestling a lot. Uh, you know, any of those, like I said, any of those old guys. I was supposed to wrestle Sabu. I, I didn't get to wrestle Sabu. I was supposed to wrestle him, but he fucked his ankle up. Or New Jack, I was supposed to wrestle. He fucked his ankle up. Sabu, uh, Genie got fucking, she died. So I haven't been able to wrestle those two guys. Now I would like to wrestle those guys. Uh, I don't know. Freak show matches, dude. The, the odder and more obscure, the better it is. I think those kind of matchups make for great wrestling. You know, classic spot. Dude, Lucha Gunn versus huge 1980 WWF tugboat wrestling type guy. You know what I mean? That's that's my favorite type of wrestling. And thank Christ that I'm one of those freak show wrestlers. Well, I guess I'm going to cheat here because I'm going to ask one more question. Sorry, Dennis. Sorry, Petey. Sorry. (laughs) But give me the top three toughest death matchers, death match wrestlers, that you've been in the ring with, besides yourself? The, the top three toughest fucking dudes? Like the guys that could just, that can go. Death match or in wrestling, period? Just the guys that you face that can fucking go. Because you can go. You're a fucking, a bulldozer in there. Who's at? I'm saying, are, are we talking about in just death match wrestling or in regular just, wrestling too? Just, let's just keep it in the genre of deathmatch for for right now. Part two, we'll talk about the other the other ones. Who's a bad motherfucker in the wrestling ring? Bad motherfucker in the deathmatch is Alex Cologne is one of those guys. Um, he has the shortest fucking fuse of any person I've ever been in the ring with. <laughs> He gets so mad at the littlest things, and it's it's receipt, 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 receipt. You know, he, he's very aggravating to wrestle, but he that's makes it even more appealing to me because that's more of a challenge. The more aggravated you make me, I feel as though the better the fucking match is gonna be. Um Takeda from Japan, that dude is a goddamn fucking assault machine. Um, I don't think there's a guy better on earth in the wrestling ring than that guy. That guy can shoot fight. That guy can strong style. And that guy can deathmatch. That guy can do it all. And that guy is at the top of the fucking valley in all that stuff. You know, you were saying earlier about uh, dudes that, um, you know, you have preconceived notions and are intimidating before you get in the ring. That's one of those guys. And I guarantee that's a universal fucking statement from any deathmatch worker in wrestling. 
Um, and who else? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll go. He's not the most intimidating, but I'll tell you this. I don't know if you guys know who Viking is from uh, Quebec. Um, Viking, a uh, skinny guy, probably 170 pounds, you know, not very heavy, but he has the hardest fucking chops on earth that I've ever felt. More worse than Dan Moff, worse than Haku. I've never felt it. And it's because he got, he broke his hand and he got an iron plate in the side of his hand. Ah. It, you, it feels like fucking death. So just that alone, I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, dude, I don't know. <laughs> Again. <laughs> no. uh, well, I can go on forever, but well, I mean that, that was good enough. I, I just wanted the top first top three uh, uh, off your head. And by the way, my name's not Joanna. Go ahead, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shellac, where can people find you if you know this is might be their first time being turned on to you? Uh, where would you like all the people to kind of uh, check out what you do, music wise and wrestling? Okay, well, uh, my personal website is nogodonlyschlack.com. That's where you can buy merch and all that bullshit. You know, on social media, you go to schlack187 on Instagram or Facebook. It used to be on Twitter, but I'm banned from Twitter for too much blood. So, <laughs> whatever, fuck Twitter. You know. uh, I'm in, currently, the band I'm in currently right now, I'm in a band called The Crippler. Yeah. Um, that's me, Dan O'Hare, who's also a, a wrestler. He was in a band called Total Fucking Destruction and Brutal Truth. And the singer is Jason Goldberg from Bad Luck 13. Uh, I'm in a band called The Cripple right now. We're about to put out a only on vinyl because I'm a fucking elitist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> only on vinyl. We're about to put out a, a full length LP, 13 songs. Um, it's like, Punker, it's like the band Doom from the UK, the old punk band meets Butchered at Birth Cannibal Corpse. Whoa. Yes, I know. I purposely made it like that. Um, That's the Crippers, Crippers coming out. Um, that band needs a turnbuckle I was in. We actually have a documentary coming out. They dropped about $20,000 on this. Wow. Um, it should be coming out hopefully in the winter, maybe January. It's going to be on Amazon Prime. It's going to be on Netflix. It's going to be at all those like hoity-toity fucking movie, you know, like, uh, where they review the movies and they have, you know, uh, like Sundance Film Festivals. It's got cameos from Sammy, from Fang, from Heathen Scum, from the fucking Mentors, Merle Allen, Gigi's brother from the Mentors, Terrence from Suffocation, Randy from Lamb of God. Uh, it's got all footage from the entire Ethan Turnbuckle fucking career. It's completely the most ridiculous fucking thing you've ever seen. Trust me on this. Um, I guess Lord of Anarchy is coming up. It's a deathmatch tournament. It hasn't been, a, a, you know, they haven't done one of those in like four years. It's coming back this year. That's uh, October 16th in Indianapolis. Um, I'm going to be in England. For the Games of Death, uh, November 6th, 5th, 4th, 5th, and 6th. And as soon as that's done, I'm flying back home for the XPW fucking reboot. Oh, Motherfuck yeah. everyone that's got a problem with XPW. 
But I'm an asshole, so I like XPW. You know, you know what? I mean, but I, you know, I forgot. I've seen a few XPW shows, so I, my I have seen death matches on American soil. Soil. Yep. This is 20 years ago, though. Right, exactly. That, that's why XPW was the shit, dude. XPW had Abdul the Butcher, Terry Funk, Supreme. New you know, Jack. that shit was awesome. I, I saw New Jack dive off the front. Exactly. At- at the Olympic Auditorium, dr- jumped off the fucking balcony like forty feet up. That was well, the. He, was it on Vic Grimes? Yes, he threw Vic Grimes off of the fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's, that's some of the craziest death match shit ever, man. I, I told. How do I? How did I fucking forget that? You're from California. What the fuck, man? I, I don't know, man. See, I, maybe I, it's all the hits in the head too. <laughs> I feel that way too much. I've but, um, never had a guest make me feel more like a pussy than you have. <laughs> oh, I'm a nice guy. I told you that. Nope. I, I'm over here fighting a cold, and you're like, yeah, I'll cut my finger off for you know, a couple thousand dollars, and I'm sniffling, <laughs> and I don't know if I'm going to fall asleep tonight. And you're like, cuts and bruises and throwing people off and motherfucking this and death that. I'm like, I, you know, maybe I'll take some NyQuil and cuddle up. With the <laughs> Bro. You need to do your cardio and eat your fucking vitamins. There you go. There you go. Yo, I learned from a friend of mine a long time ago. I was in a band with a guy. He would smoke crack like every two, three days. And I'm like, how the fuck are you together like the way you are? And and you come to practice and it's like like regular. He's like, well, dude, you gotta you gotta put back in what you take out. And that stuck with me in my head. He would take vitamins every day and he would go to the gym and he would work out. So he could smoke crack every couple days (laughs) because he was just level in the playing field. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't up and down. It was lateral movement. You know what I mean? And that's take your motherfucking says take your motherfucking vitamins, man. (laughs) Hulk Hogan, yeah, yeah. No fuck Hulk Hogan. is telling you. (laughs) Man, listen, Schlack. I feel like we are better friends now. Thank you so much. For coming on this podcast and talking with us tonight, and I'm no sorry you missed Fang tonight, but we're we're just as good, I think. I appreciate it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. I'm humbled, sirs. <laughs>